0: The Performance Training Academy podcast series with today's guest, James Buckingham. My name is Ashley Hoff and in episode number 11, this is the first of two podcasts as we are discussing supplements. Part one is specifically about workout supplements and how they can complement your training. We'll be discussing protein, what types of protein supplements to buy and how to use it effectively. We'll also be looking at other common supplements such as creatine, fish oils, multivitamins, branched-chain amino acids, electrolyte drinks, and even pre-workout supplements. The underlying theme here, though, is make sure you address your nutrition and training first before spending hundreds on supplements. We hope you enjoy. Welcome to episode number 11 of the Performance Training Academy podcast series. Um, This is supplements part one, where we are looking at workout supplements. Um, Within the health and fitness industry, supplements is a massive part of it. There's a lot of companies out there that make a lot of money on supplements, some necessary, some not so necessary. Um, Today's podcast is all about sifting through all of your options out there when it comes to supplements uh, and kind of giving a bit of a, a, a clarity on what each supplement does. The common ones being stuff like your protein and your creatine, uh, all related obviously to the gym trade. Um, But the the clear message here that we wanna convey is like protein, not just for guys who wanna bodybuild, it's for everyone and it can supplement your diet. But that's what they should be. They should just be a supplement to your daily intake. The first and foremost thing you need to do is sort out your nutritional needs. Make sure you're eating the right types of foods for your health, but also for your training goal. Uh, make sure your training's on point and make sure that your training warrants you having uh, a supplement as well. So um, we'll get straight into this one. We've got our nutrition expert here, James Buckingham with us today. Um, so yeah, let's let's get on and, and hear James's insight. One little bit of background on James. He's a personal trainer for, for many years, uh, has got vast amounts of nutritional knowledge and he uses everything that we discussed today in his advice that he gives to his clients. I'll give you my two pence worth as well, where I give you some information and advice I've given to my clients over the years as well. So whether you're a personal trainer or a fitness professional who are advising your clients on supplementation, or whether you're just really into your training and nutrition, and you're a little bit confused about what supplements you should be taking or why you should be taking them, then have a good listen to this, and we'll give you some actionable points as we go as well. So good morning, James. How are you? Morning, Ash. Good to see you again, babe. And you, and you. So supplements, um, you're obviously a personal trainer, a gym owner. Supplements for any fitness professional is a big part of their business. Um, It's not something that you have to jump straight into and start suggesting your, your clients take this and take that. But I think it's really important to know what your options are if it's going to be beneficial to your clients and yourselves. So Let's go straight into this then. We, we've got like um, a list of the main workout supplements we're gonna talk to. We're gonna start with a big one. Obviously, protein supplements first and foremost. Uh, that's one that definitely has got a place and we're gonna talk about the different protein supplements as we go through. Um, but but James, this is something that you'd use with your clients uh, when you're coaching them that to, again, to supplement their nutrition to benefit their training.
1: Yeah. Um- just to hammer that point, Ash, that you mentioned that the most important thing, supplements aren't necessary. They can be useful, but certainly not necessary. And we all think, especially now with the marketing cleverness, that if I haven't had my protein shake, therefore my training is wasted. Of course, that's not correct. But as people remember that theme as we're discussing you know, our bits and pieces. Um, so protein powders can be very, very useful. Um, I'm just skipping around as I usually do. But um, it very much depends on what you're trying, your training outcome is, is going to be. So for example, if you're a strength and power athlete, strength and power, um, then you probably wanna increase your neural drive. And we can talk about that another way. Mm -hmm. But if you're kind of a bodybuilder type thing, then you're not really too worried about your neural drive, more about the nutrients into your muscle. So there's a subtle difference there. Anyway, getting off track already. Um, So protein powders can be useful because it drives amino acids into the muscle and we know the muscle, uh, the ultimate tiniest part of the muscle, filaments um, are actin and myosin, and that's their protein fibers, not carb fibers or anything like that. So, hence we we can benefit from having the optimal amount of protein in our diet. Now, if we're not getting the optimal amount of protein from eating normal food, protein powders can come into play, normally around your workout. I don't. Recommend taking them during the day at all, apart from around your workout, because you know your insulin um, uh, drive is spiked and it's driving those nutrients into the muscle or wherever they're needed. So protein powders can be useful. Um, I can talk then about
0: various types of like difference between concentrate and isolate, maybe. Mm. Yeah, and before you do, I think it's important to stress there as well that with um with your protein supplement as well it is the most common place to have it straight after you work out um they have and again i actually don't know what is fact and what is myth as well but there's this whole anabolic window that you're always told with your protein supplement get it in within half an hour of finish your training and do you know what i'll be honest as um a younger lad who used to lift weights all the time um I felt bad if I didn't get my protein supplement straight after training. I had this weird mindset thing that if if I didn't have my protein shake after I trained within that thirty minute anabolic window, if that is even a thing, I would feel like oh, it's a waste. What have I done? You know, and it's you, you get a real negative mindset to that. Um, but you know, there, there's a lot to be said in that. If you can get your, your protein into your body as soon as possible, it's only going to benefit the body, right? Well, yeah, absolutely. It's, it's one of these things that. It was all the rage years ago when we were training,
1: you know, um, and I still kind of agree with it. Although there's lots of studies coming out saying now, as long as you get your protein intake over a period of time, correct, and therefore you're covered. Mm. But it's like, I'm not sure if that is correct, really. Um, If you're really, really trying to, you know, recover from the workout and uh, gain, gain muscle or strength or whatever it might be, I still believe... That um, having some form of protein, whether it's food uh, or whether it's a shake for convenience, uh, you know, fairly soon after work workout, I'm still a fan of that. Mm. And I don't want to branch out again, but I'm going to, as always. But then when you go to more depth of it, if you allow you, let's say you've trained quite hard and you've caused a stressor to the body, of course, therefore you can adapt. That's why you have your protein, of course. Um, or your carb shake or recovery shake might be a better way. Did I just do that, really? You, you did. You, you did. <laughs> in order to, yeah. order, I need to bash myself on the face with a club. Um, <laughs> so, you, you, the, I've lost my train of thought. The protein intake around your workout is good. Um, but then, if you cause a stressor, a lot of people now think that if you cause a stressor, don't blunt that stress straight away after training. Mm. Wait for an hour or so. See what I mean? Yeah, so my yeah, yeah. point is yes one some study says don't worry about your protein checks after training or around training because as long as you get your protein correct throughout the day that's one point another one like we've discussed and i kind of like mm. get something in you pretty much straight, straight away after you work i kind of like that strategy from a recovery point of view but then from the health point of view autography cell clearance all that health stuff let the stressor continue for a little while before you s- replan so there's three different strands my own personal one is if you've trained hard you want to recover from that training so you can go again in my view have
0: some form of recovery shake around your workout that would yeah. be my take on it but yeah and that's cool because let's not forget protein is there for growth and repair isn't it um yeah. and that's that's the key the good thing the thing is like if you've had a hard workout sometimes you're not going to fancy having uh, something to eat anyway so, you know, I think that the key thing is to not feel guilty if you go past that 30 minute window or whatever it deemed to be. So long as you do get that protein intake around 20 grams as well, I guess. Uh, once you finish training your next meal, be it a shake or some food, you want to get a good 20 or grams of protein in there and then, and that's going to help recover and it's going to supplement your diet, it's going to give you that growth and repair effect, isn't it? Um, yeah. on, on that as well, um, I want to hit a stereotype here. Um, this is um, protein shakes can be stereotypically a guy thing to have I'm starting to do the whole finger now the whole quotation for your fingers we need to stop uh, and start going okay. nice. uh, it can be a very much a guy thing to have so much so the supplement market um, and I don't know how many years ago it was but I can remember it happening instead of having these big manly protein shakers to put your protein uh, powder in so that as soon as you finish your workout you can put a bit of water in it or a bit of milk whatever you are in shake it up and then drink it, and then you're out of the gym. Um, it was deemed to be very much like there for guys only. So I, I think it was um, my protein. I think they come out with a, a smaller protein shaker, pink in color, slender lines to it to be more geared towards the female market. Now, what's your thoughts on a female having a protein shake as soon as they finish their workout? So, once
1: again, I will go back to the, the caveat, Ash, of you know, it's not needed. But if you want it for males or females, yeah. then I think it's absolutely fine. Remember, the muscle from female exactly the same as the muscle from a male. You know, we're still mm. ultimately made of actinomycin, muscle fibres, filaments, the muscle, etc. Yeah. Um, and insulin still works the same way, growth, all that stuff. Yeah. So to answer your question, if you deserve your shake and you feel it will benefit you, male, female, young, old, crack on. I think the quality well. of that protein shake is quite important, though.
0: Yeah, yeah. And I think to, to kind of like surmise what a protein shake is, and I've heard myself say this to people, female clients, uh, family members even, who are interested in their training and, and be, uh, benefit in their training by getting their diet right. You know, a protein shake is almost like having a blended up chicken breast in terms of the value that you're having, in terms of getting in 20-odd grams of protein. It's just more of a convenient way to do it. Um, and that's what it should be seen as. I think there's that stigma all the time of a protein shake. That if you're gonna drink a protein shake, all of a sudden you're gonna start popping out muscles all over the place. Uh, and I wish that was the case, mate. <laughs> and obviously it's not the case, you know. So <laughs> that would that, be worth subbing, I'm sure. But you know, that's that's a thing. You know, it's there for growth and repair, male, female, whatever it may be, and use it as that supplement, you know, and, and that's where protein supplements should be, you know. Post training, have a protein shake, effectively, right? Yeah, yeah, so what what I what I
1: like, I know it's a bit st- Kind of dogmatic, but I like to call these things recovery mm. or workout nutritional shakes because if you just have protein, you might be missing out on, you know, carb influx, creatine influx, glutamine influx, etc. But whatever, really, we understand, hopefully, that mm. when we say protein shake, we mean some form of recovery mixture, which we can mm. talk about for sure. Um, but also, more studies, it was always trained and shake afterwards, wasn't it? Mm. But now more studies are saying, well, actually, maybe before you work out, have some have some form of nutrient influx during your workout have some form of nutrient so basically what they call peri around your workout Have go for it the whole way Mm. um and that's very simple to do it's not at all scary it can be very very easily done so we can talk about that as well for sure but um yeah males females young old so long as the protein or the recovery shape you're taking has got good ingredients in it Mm. which we should really talk about Mm. and that's then you're, you're you know, you're fine. Ultimately, though, we should really just eat some food. But very often, if you talk to someone who's trained at a high level, you know, your stomach, you're not ready for food because you're just
0: like smoked. So yeah. anyway, yeah. Well, let's do that now. Let's go into the different types of protein shakes you can have. Um, obviously, it's all the, the main market is derived from dairy whey protein. Um, let's discuss then, Can you give us your insight into concentrate, isolate, uh, and what the type of protein? shake that individuals should consider buying so very simply put um the a, a, a cheaper version but still no
1: problem as far as i can see is the whey protein uh, uh, the whey protein concentrate mm-hmm. and what they mean by that is um they have uh, manufactured it to but there's still some milk yeah. bits in it for want of a better word it's not as pure but, you know, if you're drinking milk and, you have, and you're worrying about a whey protein concentrate, then you're being a bit silly because it's kind of similar, you know what I mean? So that would be the cheaper, but I still think no problem really version. Where it can become a little bit more difficult is a concentrate can have more lactose in it. Therefore, it can upset people's tummies a bit more. So that's the first one. Concentrate, cheaper, still okay as far as I'm concerned. Mm. If you want to go further down the line then to the next extreme, um, is the isolate, and that's been filtered much much better and cleaner and purer. So you get more of a pure uh, uh, protein uh, profile mm-hmm. to the to the powder. And then you've got hydrolyzed and, and uh, hydrolyzed and stuff like that. But basically, concentrate is not as pure as isolate. If you're worried about something causes an allergenic res- response or causing you to have nuts set stomach, then go for the Isolated one because it's a little bit purer, but if you're not bothered and you can drink milk fine, then the concentrate will do the trick. One point though is the isolate will spike up your insulin quicker, which around workout is probably not a bad thing. Mm-hmm. Um so they're really the two main differences: concentrate and isolate, isolate pure. Um now it's worth mentioning going off a tangent slightly that if around your workouts insulin being released especially after your workout is a very anabolic and good thing because it's driving those nutrients into the muscles where they've just been depleted so most of it will go to the muscle um so therefore if you're having a protein shape where you're dumping liquid into your system real quick which isn't kind of unnatural really then you're having that protein or you're having that insulin spike throughout the day Mm-hmm. so let's say you just get up in the morning i'll have a protein shake insulin up insulin down then oh mid-morning i'll have another protein shake then that's you know you have an insulin up insulin down and then you're having three or four of these protein shakes instead of food it's like sugar insofar mm-hmm. as the insulin response yeah you know what i mean okay. so it's really not a good thing at all and you think people think well I'll just have more protein definitely not it, it's the type if you're gonna have more protein you can have it from animal sources you know yeah. Um, and I can expand on that if you want,
0: mate. But, um, yeah, well, I think the thing on that then as well is is consider your protein shake to be uh, in response to training. Don't have it when you're sedentary. Don't have it as a filler for when you 100%. can be eating food effectively. Yeah. Um, they, they'll, obviously, that'll be carried with um, meal preparation. Uh, it's easy for me to take a, a protein shake to work because I can't cook and prepare my food and I, there's maybe no microwave I can't eat my feet, food up with. I know you've got views on that. But um, for some people, it is a convenience thing. It's a convenience thing, like, you know, they might take their lunch to work and they might take a protein shake with them so they can have that mid morning uh, to keep that fuel, um, protein coming into their bodies um, and they don't have to worry about eating food. But again, if you want to think about it sensibly, have it post workout, and especially because of that whole insulin effect, you know, we want to try to maintain our, our hormones to the best possible standard. And if it's going to have a negative effect on our hormones, Maybe it's not the best choice, right?
1: Yeah, so the, as I say, the, the, main, the main hormone will kick in when you're taking your protein shake around your workout is insulin pops up, which mm. after your workout is a good thing. Yeah. But any other time, you want to keep your insulin kind of yeah. low or kind of, um, what's the word I'm looking for, even. Mm. Um, also, we can branch out, but I won't. If, if you feel that you need a protein shake, you haven't got any food maybe just fast for the day you know so that's another thing yeah, that yeah, can yeah. improve uh, maintain muscle if you're fat adapted and we've talked about that before but let's say you decide you want to have a protein shake for whatever reason you know mid-morning when you haven't worked out whatever i don't think there's anything necessarily wrong with that once or you know every now and then yeah but you can mitigate the insulin spike by adding things to the protein shake normally maybe a couple of dollars of olive oil mm-hmm. maybe some greens um maybe even an avocado do you know what i mean so yeah. you're, you're getting some fats and protein so the insulin spike instead of going Poof, really high is is more stable mm-hmm. so you kind of make it more of a protein rich meal albeit liquid rather than a straight Poof, shake
0: which is yeah. up down with insulin so that's quite an important thing and pretty um, much just to try to just to try to um not give that massive spike in insulin yeah that's pretty much it mate mm-hmm. yeah Make, that makes a lot of sense, which leads us on to another one. Uh, flavored protein. This is a sort of thing as well where um, protein powders uh, can be quite, um, I think for anyone getting into exercise and getting into their training, it's nice, and we're going to move on to this in a bit, but it's nice to be able to, like, I'm get, I'm lifting weights a few times a week. I've read a bit about protein supplements, or maybe my my trainer has talked to me about protein supplements. There's something fun for a lot of individuals to start looking on these protein websites or going to a supplement shop and seeing the the massive array of different protein choices there are. Yeah. And it's not just about the protein choices from concentrate to isolate, as you just uh, really clearly uh, surmise as well. Concentrate being the cheaper option, isolate being a more pure option. Obviously, we we try quite often try to promote, just go with what's best for your body in that sense as well. You know, So same with food, same with supplements in some way. The thing is with protein supplements um, is you obviously have some protein brands better than others in terms of how it's manufactured. And then what a lot of people can do is they can get a little bit addicted to the different flavorings as well, like mint chocolate chip flavor, chocolate flavor, cheesecake flavor, I'm sure. Um, And then obviously it becomes part of their lifestyle to, to like the fact that they're having this protein shake multiple times per day, they quite like the flavor of mint chop chip as well. So it becomes less of a post-training supplement uh, to their nutrition and to benefit their body and growth and repair. And it almost becomes part of their daily habit as well. And that's probably the thing that want wanted to try and stay away from. Have food throughout the day when your body is needing food to get your protein amount coming in and just literally use this as a post-training. When it comes to the type of protein supplement they buy that an individual should buy, I know what your suggestion is. It, it's, it's the same as mine. You don't want to get drawn into that whole thing of buying your strawberry flavors, your chocolate flavors, etc. Just go for unflavored protein. Um, you can explain better than how I can, but flavors, not necessary, are they? You're absolutely right. So if you're having, if you're having protein uh,
1: shake with flavoring in it, it's better than like Coca-Cola, isn't it? But it's not optimal. So you're absolutely right, Ash. You can either do two things. Go unflavored. And if you really want to, you can add your, own, add your own flavoring. And I would recommend honey. And I'll explain why honey is such a useful sugar to use. Well, I'll explain now because it's got uh, fructose and glucose in about the correct natural amount that's going to replen your liver and muscle glycogen. So honey would be my go-to sweetener. And um, so un- unflavored with no sweetener at all, but if you want to add, add honey. And then if you look at the back of some of these protein powders, Concoctions have got all sorts of bloody Frankenstein-type things in them, and then they're sweetened with sucralose or aspartame. It's kind of like gone now, but a sucralose. And sucralose isn't really the best sweetener. If you want something with sweetener in it, probably stevia would be the kind of one you'd want to go for, arguably. But even still, why? T- why take the error? Why just not have it? go unflavored and add your own local honey mm. to the mix? and then you've got honey good mm. whey protein concentrate or isolate that's unflavored good yeah and then you know you're not gonna and then you can add other things like i'll, I'll hopefully talk about glutamine creatine bits mm. and pieces like that to it yeah so yeah you're quite right um uh, it, it, it can and the thing about it they taste so lovely that all of a sudden you know i don't really care too much about calories as you're aware but all of a sudden you can be guzzling this stuff down mm. and it's a mint chop chip flavor
0: protein powder who doesn't like that but it's not good <laughs> Well, then as well you know you mentioned calories as well you know you on this whole big protein shelves and shelves of protein that you can see in front of you if you go going to a supplement store you, you don't just have uh, your protein choice you have your weight gainers as well now weight gainers are, are incredible they're like they're kind of geared towards people that want to bulk up so, but it's, it's, I don't know how many calories is per shake. I've never had a weight gainer, but you get, I know you're getting about 40 or grams of protein per serving as well as carbohydrates or sugars coming in with that as well. And that's a massive big hit in one shake, isn't it really? So weight gainers, it's, not yeah. really necessary, are they? Well, the uh, thing is, that if you look at weight gainers, you're actually right. All it is, is usually
1: the base ingredients are protein and carbs. Mm. And what they normally do is have more carbs in, so it's cheaper add it into protein and then the other bits and pieces of course. So that's the first point. You can make your own honey and whey. It would, it would be my choice. Um, and rice. Mm. Um, but with the weight gain, of it, if you're just trying to get massive and bulky, then fine, crack on with the stuff. I'm not sure it's the best thing for you and all the other kind of micronutrients in there, uh, micro ingredients in there, yeah. sucralosis, time, all sorts of shit that you don't understand what it is. Mm. So bulking, great. But um, the other thing, quite important, Ash, we, we can talk about another day maybe. If you're bulking, remember there's this nutrition partitioning thing. If you've got excess fat on you, then a lot of the nutrients will be fat, will go to fat. Whereas if you lean and muscular, then a lot of the nutrients will go to muscle and it's called nutrition partitioning. It's quite important to remember that. So bulking and then stripping down is, is probably an old school way of doing it. And remember, yeah. when we're talking about bodybuilding, there's a lot of drugs involved which can aid your, uh, aid your stuff. And... Also, it's worth clearing up that bodybuilding is only one tiny aspect of fitness, strength, health, power, you know, just yeah. bodybuilding is a tiny thing, although that's
0: what everyone concentrates on mm. incorrectly, in my opinion. Yeah. And I think like one reason why I mentioned the weight gainers as well is just to explain what they are. To the fact that bodybuilding, there, there are still individuals now that bulk up and then cut down. And, and we will go into that on another podcast where we can talk about training strategies, that being one of them, whether that be right or wrong or whatever. But, and again, it comes back to what we said at the start how protein shakes can be stereotypically there for bodybuilders only, but they're not. What people have to understand about protein shakes, they're there for post workout, ideally. If you get your protein right, you're going to buy an isolate, hopefully unflavored mix your own shakes on the back of that as well. I'm going to ask you for your, your go-to protein shake in a second. I'll tell you mine as well. You'll probably have a few things to say about mine, actually. And, uh, but that's, that's a key thing, isn't it? It's not there just for bodybuilders. It's there for growth and repair. Male, female, whatever it may be, protein shakes post-training, they just help your body to recover, right? Yeah. If you
1: No matter what your, what your athletic endeavor is,
0: if it's athletic
1: endeavor at a high level, mm. you've trained, so you stimulate the body, then you feed the body, then you rest the body. They're the three ingredients as far as I'm, I can figure out. Yeah. So even if it's, let's say, your rugby, MMA, bobsleigh, tennis, whatever,
2: mm.
1: you've trained hard to have an adaption of the body. The body wants to grow bigger and stronger. You feed it. Mm. What you feed it is either food or, indeed, for convenience, some form of protein recovery shake.
2: And,
1: yeah. you know, I think they're a great a-
0: a- asset, but people kick the ass out of having two or three or four a day and that is not the way to do it. Yeah. Um, unflavored proteins, what I buy. I generally make mine up with, uh, again, I, I only have mine post workout, um, even a run sometimes. If I've done a long run, I quite like to have one after a run. Uh, yeah, definitely. My wife will say, Why are you having that? You've not lifted weights. And again, it's not just about repairing muscle from stress caused by uh, weight bearing activity, as in weights. But running is still weight, weight bearing activity as well. It's still breaking down muscle. It needs repairing as well. So that's another thing. It's not just linked to weight training. It's linked to endurance work as well. And it's a really good post-workout uh, after a long run. You, know, you don't always fancy eating something after a long run anyway. Um, and a protein shake is quite nice to have. You can add a bit of carbohydrates to that as well. So my go-to will be your unflavored protein uh, powder with a bit of coconut water and then some blueberries and a banana. And I know that won't hit home with you too much. You, yours would be completely more high end than mine, but for me it's what I quite like. Um Adam Mill. That's fair enough, mate. It's not bad, is it? It's not bad. No, I think,
1: and also I like the, the coconut thing and I know you're probably gonna do that for the electrolyte balance, which is mm. fine, you know. I think I think that, that shake, the recovery shake recovery shake there, what you've said. Mm. I think that's absolutely fine. I really yeah, do. Well, that's that's what's might- not to
0: like that. Thanks, mate. And you mentioned earlier about the 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 milk, the lactose, as well, in some of the, the cheaper powders, especially as well. Um, no, mate, there's a train going past. And, and we're back. I'm moving house soon. <laughs> um, Go on. So yeah, so adding milk to your protein powder as well. So unflavored protein, add in milk. What's the negatives to that? It's not so much a negative thing, but you are kind of double whammying, in, aren't you? Mm.
1: You've got yeah. let's say you've got a whey protein concentrate. Nothing really wrong with that as far as I can see, apart from it I said, the slightly less pure. Mm. And then you so basically what you're doing is you're getting milk, you're mm-hmm. farting around with it to make a concentrate, and then you're adding milk to it. Yeah, so yeah. I mean one if you're gonna have that, mm. either just have a, a pint of good quality, organic, grass fed, mm. unfla- unpasteurized milk, unpasteurized if you can find it these days, mm. or indeed just have mm. your whey protein. Or indeed, pea protein but whatever mm. with water i would suggest because the milk can be problematic to some people so if you're adding it you can see what i'm saying it's a bit of a, a kind of a gut disturbing mix if you're adding lots and lots to it
0: yeah definitely i, uh, I think with uh, lactose and dairy you know people can overdo it you know milk people can live on milk quite a lot throughout the whole day have it on their cereal have it in their protein shake you know it it, it goes quite full on for some individuals i know if i have lactose with too much milk i don't actually disagree with it my body wise but i do feel better for not having it so like even the fact of having like oat milk in my coffee i prefer the taste now and i don't get a little nausea feeling like i used to get with lactose anyways
2: no way um, that's interesting
0: um so yeah the, the thing there is actually it, it i'm not a couple of things with milk i know we're not
1: this subject but we'll quickly cover it um milk is you know more or less complete nutrient profile really and and let's say tribes in africa live off milk and blood you know or it's not live off it, but certainly that's a good supplement to their food but it's it's fresh straight from the cow Mm. non-pasteurized and i'm a big fan of that Mm. going against the grain because everyone's saying don't touch milk it's horrendous (laughs) and i know it's for cows and not for humans but if you can tolerate it Mm. then i think it's a great thing but when they pasteurize it then i think you've got problems so if you can find somewhere straight from the cow
0: and you can tolerate it. It's a fantastic food mm. if you can. And it's a terrible food. <laughs> there you are. Yeah. Well, And, and we're talking a minute about uh, whey protein, which is derived from dairy. Um, yeah. Obviously, there is, there's vegan alternatives as well, derived from pea protein, rice protein, et cetera. Again, if, you, if you're following a plant-based diet, you can still have a protein shake, but you obviously don't go for whey protein. You go for pea protein instead. Yeah. They say, uh, they think, they it would appear that the
1: whey would have the best amino acid profile. Mm. But, you know, um, I think a blend of rice and pea protein from from anyone, not just a vegan point of view, is not a bad option. So, you know, some, maybe one tub of rice and pea, and then the next tub you have whey if for, not, for just a different amino acid profile. Yeah. But, yeah, vegans
0: can work quite well. if They're trying to get more protein in with a, a, a rice and pea blend, unflavoured again if you can. So, yeah. yeah you got, you got planes going overhead now as well, mate. I know, mate. I know. I'm, I'm moving. I'm moving soon. I really am. <laughs> let's go, let's go, finish uh, on protein then because we've got a few more things to talk about. Um, yeah. And obviously, you know, people again get falling into the trap of the market. You can, get, uh, you can get protein bars, you get protein cookies, you can get protein brownies, you can get protein bread, you can get protein everything, protein yeah. cereal. Uh, the, the key thing is, for everyone to remember with this use a protein shake as a supplement to their training and nutritional intake throughout the whole day. The protein ideally should be coming from food, um, meat, fish, obviously there's plant-based people involved with this as well. You can get it from vegetables, but that's where you want to get your protein from, from foods. Uh, and that's, that's the key, isn't it? And then just have this post-workout, as we said, um, make up your own is good to so go for unflavored protein, isolate, ideally, um, and then you can't go too far wrong with it all too often. Yeah. I think people do get involved with starting a form of training, look having their nutrition plan looked at by a fitness professional, a personal trainer, and straight away before they've even tried to do their training, get their food, right? They're sold a product straight away. Uh, okay, okay. If you're going to train with me, you need to have a protein supplement, a multivitamin, fish oils creatine it go uh, pre workout all stuff we're going to talk about in a minute but it goes on and on and the key thing people have to remember here protein supplements are good post training don't you don't need them straight away it's not going to hurt having them straight away but get your food sorted first get your training habits sorted first and then you can consider the supplements can't you
1: you you're absolutely right mate so just two points there just to re- recap the whole thing Uh, protein supplements around your workout if you want not needed but they can be useful Mm. everything else you're eating high quality animal in my in my opinion animal produce throughout the day and that's it Mm. um secondly that i think disgraceful um marketing of protein bars and cake and and even homemade paleo um treats and it's still pecking cake or sweets or do you know what i mean yeah. so it doesn't matter it's not the way to do things if you want it for a treat absolutely have that you know mm. um but the whole protein bar you look at the back of some of these protein bars in the shops and they're full of horrible nasty shit so mm. just because says protein on it just be very very wary yeah
0: you
1: know so that's another subject. I'm well, it's sure. a big
0: market. It's a big market. Isn't it The protein market? The whole supplement market is massive. And I think you just got to be anyone who's got to be wise going into it. I've known people that spend hundreds of pounds on supplements per month when a lot of time they, they'd be better off cutting that in half more so than sometimes and just putting that money into better food, better food products. Steak. Yeah, Exactly. <laughs> exactly. So give us a little bit of insight, mate. What's your go-to protein supplement? Um, so, I used to be really kind of all over it back in
1: the day, and and um, it I used to really kind of go down the line of amino acids, protein, r- really around your work. And actually, I've got to say, it worked really quite well. I was much bigger and stronger than I am now, so perhaps there's something into it. But I've relaxed a little bit now, but I would normally do... Um, can I say what I think might be optimal and then what I do because it's not optimal what I'm doing anymore but it's still kind of the cheap woman's version of it so in my opinion if you want performance if you're training cover all the bases so I would recommend an athlete to have some form of nutrition before the workout 20 30 40 minutes before something around or during the workout or training or competition or game and then something afterwards. So they've got this constant influx of mainly amino acids uh, around the workout, so that they never miss a beat. That it's all good. So they're kind of stimulating, regenerating, uh, and getting nutrients into the system all the way through. So, and I split that up into before, during, and after. And before, I would normally. Actually, it very much depends on what their goal is. But let's say your average. Um, I would ask them to consider essential amino acids, maybe 10 grams, then branch chain amino acids, maybe five grams, then creatine, maybe five grams, um, and then perhaps, perhaps, depending on their goal, some carbohydrate, normally from honey, um, and maybe just a pinch of salt. So what have I given there? We've given protein in the form of amino acids, from essential amino acids and, and branched amino acids. Creatine uh, for energy production and also as a buffer. We've given some form of carbs, maybe, in order to facilitate nutrients into the system and ensure there's still glycogen being spared and sugar being used, if that's an outcome. Um, and then salt for the electrolyte balance that you you kind of consider in your in your, um, thingy, in your uh, electrolyte thing, what is it, coconut oil, coconut water. So that'd be the first thing, I'd probably consume that as they're driving to the gym or the venue or whatever, 30, 40 minutes out. Then continuing that theme, once they start lifting the weight, they've got a, a litre bottle, and once again, it's the same mix, bit of salt, amino acids, branched-chain amino acids, maybe some honey again, or some form of carbohydrate of your choice. Um, and maybe some creatine again, maybe. Um, so you can see I've had the same shake. It can be even the same bottle, can't it? Before, just have half of it and then half it. So it's real simple. And then, so you're training for your hour or whatever it might be. And then at the end of the workout, it's a little bit more, you might have your whey protein isolate or concentrate, depending on your financial situation, it Doesn't really matter too much, A whey protein, and I'd probably go for, depending on how big they are, 20 to 40 grams. And then I would supplement twenty to forty grams of carbohydrate, so the ratio being one to one in my opinion, one ratio of protein to one ratio of carbohydrate. So if i have had forty grams of carbohydrates, then I'd also have forty grams of sorry, forty grams of protein in a scoop form. I'd also ask them to have at least forty grams of carbohydrates, some form of powder, mix that with berry juice, maybe pomegranate, uh, you know, a couple of splashes fructose concentration then i'd have glutamine and why glutamine glutamine is an adaptogen and also it's glycogen sparing and also it's good for the immune immune function and also, uh, the glycogen sparing thing is probably most important and immune function recovery mm-hmm. so glutamine is really underrated and i'll probably get them to get 10 grams of glutamine um that's probably about it so um yeah I, oh yeah d- definitely if they've been highly acidic training i've probably asked them to have some form of greens powder in there wheatgrass or something like that because that'll really dampen the acidity
2: yeah.
1: and reduce uh, um reduce the cortisol level which one of the things you want after training is to reduce cortisol levels
2: mm-hmm.
1: and if you can blunt them fairly quickly with some form of shake mixture as you see then that's useful I'll let that settle for a second. Remember what I said at the very beginning, though. Some experts who want a more robust body would say, don't have anything for an hour or so after your training, so allow the body to adapt naturally, endogenously. Do you know what I mean? But as I said to you before, I prefer to train really hard and get some nutrients in me straight away.
0: Yeah, and I think on that as well, I think it's important to note that everything you just said then works really well so long as you've earned that type of intake so that's that's for someone you mentioned athlete could be anyone who's who's just training hard effectively training hard put a lot of stress on the body so by having what you just mentioned there you're giving your body its best chance it can have at repairing in a timely manner
1: i think so you can do all sorts of things like uh, alpha gpc you know gpc which is a which crosses the blood brain barrier but from the average You notice I mentioned honey or some form of carbohydrates before, during, and after. And that would be if you're lean, if you're training hard, and you've kind of got more of a bodybuilder style training going on. But if you're a power athlete, I think taking carbohydrates before you work out actually blunts your neural drive. That's quite important. A little tiny distinction. So, for example, let's say there's a guy that wants to it's out-and-out power, you know, explosive, and then rests, explosive, then rest, explosive, then then rest. Carbohydrates won't necessarily help him, in, in my view, from a neural drive, because after it's neural, isn't it? Mm. Uh, so that's where I'd, I'd change that to something slightly. So we see there's an individual thing you probably want to uh, be aware of, but before, during, after, uh, amino acids, branch amino acids, carbohydrates mainly, maybe, may in creatine. During would be the same, and then after you have your whey protein, uh, glutamine, and the like. It's a bit, of, I know there's lots of names being thrown
0: out there, but hopefully. Yeah. Um, I think to, to help someone listen to this podcast, if you feel like you are training at a very high level consistently as well, not just every now and then, but consistently training at a high level, working as best as you possibly can, really pushing yourself with the weight training, especially as well. Then what you've mentioned there, that's a really good way for someone to like maybe rewind a few times, make some notes on what you said, and then try these things, research them a little bit, go onto Google to find out what those elements are that you were just mentioning. Um, and then just to see if it fits for them. If it's someone listening to this who maybe does still train hard, but not to that intensity that you're talking about, they're not a, a professional athlete or something like that, but they are doing weights a good few times each week. They are training hard every session they do. Um, a protein supplement is still beneficial. You just don't have to worry about adding all the elements that you were just adding there. You mentioned no. that, that's there for someone who's, who's looking to get a optimal performance from the whole situation.
1: So Ash, what then, so that would be the goal in my view the gold standard there are, as i say there are other things you can bolt on but maybe a little bit too in depth at the moment but so let's say a poor man's version of what i've just said mm. um so bear in mind that essentially amino acids and branched amino acids are basically from protein right yeah so before you work out have a scoop of whey protein isolate unflavored add some creatine if you want and maybe some glutamine but my point is that before you work out have the same thing during the workout so once again so only whey protein isolate unflavored, maybe some creatine if you want maybe a bit of salt and then afterwards whey protein isolate um, glutamine and then you know you can chuck in your carbs and your honey and all that business mm. so it's not actually that frightening because when people say branch amino acids I mean they all derive from protein powder of protein sources so what the main theme to take away from that is, it's all some form of amino acid mm. apart from the honey yeah,
0: yeah, Just yeah. C- and that is not needed mm. see it's, once again there's a theme i won't get too condescending there but there you that, are that second uh, option you gave there is that what you're having now
1: yeah that's how i'm doing it now only because i'm too bloody lazy to get all the shit together but if i had if i really was getting trying to think right i need to get a grip then i'd go down that gold standard at the moment i'm simply doing whey protein isolate before with some creatine and that bottle just remains. I top it up with water. That's my pour and after, just a bottle. And then a decent shake afterwards. Or indeed, because I'm kind of like more into health now, I don't have any shake afterwards. I go and wait an hour and then I, then I feed. Because I'm not, I'm not training at any particular standard anymore. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I'm a bit
0: slacker. You're training at a good standard, but you're not training for an elite standard. You're not trying to... I was eat. waiting for that. I fished in there. Thank you very much. LAUGHTER um, to to bring an end to the protein side of things, well, a couple more things I want to mention, uh, casein protein, uh, slow release protein formula, um, again, sold uh, by a supplement market to have maybe before you go to bed. So when your body is growing and repairing at rest, uh, it's optimal time to do it whilst we sleep, having a slow release shake, such as casein protein, uh, is a, is a good choice for individuals something you'd recommend or never
1: touch? Uh, no, uh, no, Ash, I wouldn't. So in theory, you're right. What you said, slow release, blah blah blah. But actually, from a health point of view, I think it can be fairly disastrous. So um, you know, you have to look at longevity. If you're going to have something like that, just go back to what you've had before. You know, your quick quick scoop of good quality unfavoured whey. But actually, um, it depends if you're trying to sleep or not. We could talk about that another time. But I think whey protein casein is is, is over-marketed, kind of perhaps rubbish. And people think the marketing tool is because of slow release, but I think it's just a crock.
0: And, well, uh, from a health point of
1: view, I don't think it's very healthy at all.
0: And you can see how it sells, can't you? You know, We've got all these people buying our protein supplement. They're, they're, we've got them now. They're, they're in. They're buying yeah. a supplement every month. As soon as that tub runs out, they're buying another one. What else yeah. could we sell them? Let's make, yeah. let's make a product that we can get them to have before, before they go to sleep and say it's yeah. slow-releasing. It will, will drip-feed into their system throughout the night and stuff like that. Um, it's marketing. Yeah, it's, you know, they, it is, it's mental. mental. Ways of. Um, and I guess to summarize all of this as well, it's important to say that so long as you're getting – so long as an individual knows how much protein they should be targeting per day, that's when this this protein supplement can really benefit as well. In terms of it should only really be there post-workout and an an individual ideally needs one and a half grams of protein per kilogram, depending on their goal, depending on their situation. But as an average, you're looking about one half grams of protein per kilogram. It's very easy to fall short of that. Now, again, I've spoken with a lot of people in the past who do use a supplement purely to get them up to that daily protein intake. I guess the key thing and the theme going from what you've spoken about already, um, because most people who want to hit that protein intake, they're looking to change their body composition, put on a little bit of muscle mass or muscle tone, however you want to call it as well. Um, and then with that normally that comes coupled with losing a bit of body fat as well so I guess if you're just having protein shakes flippantly throughout the day just so you can get near that protein intake obviously if you're spiking your insulin throughout the day because you're not training so you're not really earning those shakes that's going to have a bit of a negative as well to it isn't it
1: yeah 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 yeah. absolutely for all the points we've discussed before but yeah I would probably try to eat more if you're trying to get decent healthy lean body mass
0: Cool. Um, okay. So again, the finishing thing now, I think everyone should work out what their, protein, their daily protein target should be. Uh, look into what protein supplement you want to have and have it post-workout um, and just train hard enough so it warrants having that protein shake as well. Um, let's move on. I, I want to, this was going to come up later, but just really quickly, branch chain amino acids. Um, something that I think can be quite confusing to a lot of people. You can get them in pill form. You can get them in liquid form as well. Um, where do you stand with branched-chain amino acids? Because they're they're effectively a protein, aren't they? They're the the amino acids that make up a a full chain of protein. So, within, let's say we're going back to the protein shake thing. Within your protein
1: shake, there will be all the amino acids. So, they're the essential amino acids of eight of them. So, I've got my eight essential amino acids. So, they're called EAAs, essential amino acids, essential because we essentially need them to eat, eat or digest and then of those essential amino acids three of them are what they call branched chain amino acids so they're still part of the essential amino acid thing Mm. but they're probably the most important ones so and then you've got leucine isoleucine and valine within these essential amino acids branched chain and leucine arguably being the most important one because the leucine is the one that kicks in mTOR which is you know your um, uh, muscle protein Synthesis pathway. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's basically the because I was confused many years ago. Well, essential amino acids, branching amino acids, what the hell is it? Basically, essential amino acids are eight, nine, depending on who you talk to. And of, of those, three of them are known as branching amino acids. And of those three, hang on, I better do that with the other finger. <laughs> Leucine is probably the most important one for an mTOR activation, muscle activation point of view. Hence, some people, um, rightly or wrongly, have added leucine to their you know, uh, three to five grams of leucine to their meals, which is just a powder form, so you know, because the rationale being leucine is the most important thing to kick in mTOR for muscle protein you know, I can't argue with that one way or another so my view on branch chain amino acids, I used to be a massive component when I was a kind of a polyquin guy that branched chain amino acids get them around your workout and I'd be having, you know, people having and it worked really well, I've got to say you know, branch chain amino acids before you work out branched amino acids. I mean, I'm talking about 20, 30 capsules here in your workout, and then a protein shake afters. I've got to say, people got really big and strong on that, so I still recommend it. However, new science is coming out saying branch chain amino acids on their own can uh, deplete B6 and can therefore cause slight depression. And I think might that might that there might be a point to that. Um, so if you're going to have some form of amino acids, have the Essential amino acids is the main point. Mm. That's why I'm saying. Essential amino acids, maybe 10 grams before your workout. Add five grams of branched-chain amino acids to that, so you get that added boost to those three important ones. And then you've got really anabolic environment, which is kicking in mTOR, which is kicking in insulin, which is kicking in growth hormone, which is three, you know three things, you know. And then keep that going around your workout, and then a big bolus dose of protein shake powder uh, afterwards with all the other and bells I spoke about before so So to answer your questions branching amino acids and or amino acids similar very anabolic I'm a big fan
0: yeah okay and and again I, I suppose the important thing to stress is a lot of people probably won't need branching amino acids they might just be training and getting everything they need from training hard enough every week having the good nutrition and having a protein shake on top of that it's, it's probably when you get to a point where you're, you're striving for something a little bit more, like trying to be a little bit more elite or the top of your game and stuff like that, where you need that extra edge, even personally, you know, you, you get to plateaus in life, don't you? If, if What's going to get me over this plateau to this next step that I do feel I can achieve and it's within my limits. That's when you could probably look at something like that as well, isn't it?
1: Yeah. actually, I would say that um, if you really want to go down the line and get lean body mass, essential amino acids branched chain amino acids and creatine mix around your workout is a very very useful thing and i've seen it happen time and time again with people at international level getting fit strong lean athletic focused on that type of thing and in fact even um, uh, military reaction military teams that have to be on high alert they used to supplement every hour or so with three to five grams of branched chain or essential
0: amino acids just to keep their mind focusing focusing all the time There you go. Mate, that's great. Um, Which also leads us into creatine. So again, I'm kind of listing the products here that I've heard uh, personal trainers sell to their clients on day one of their training. Their client wants to, male or female, wants to um, put on muscle mass, get muscle growth. uh, So they'll sell them the protein supplement, which sometimes they get endorsed to sell as well. Sell them the protein supplement, sell them the branched-chain amino acid, sell them the creatine, and it, it comes as this package. You don't, you know, putting a client on creatine straight away, you don't have to, do you? I mean, obviously it depends on their goal and the person. But, you know, creatine is a supplement that can definitely have some really good benefits to an individual, um, especially when it gets to that point where they've trained consistently well for a time and they start getting to that plateau level. Their results aren't really improving anymore. Um, that's where creatine can really come into play, can't it?
1: Yes. So what you find, Ash, is, Yes, creatine is involved in, you know, you have to ask these trainers why they're giving it, what's the, what's the purpose. But creatine is involved in the creatine phosphate pathway and therefore gives you more energy. And actually, it's a very, very useful supplement, even for people who aren't even training, you know, old all, all men and women like myself, you know, the, and who, 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 who want that, um, creating more energy. A creatine will, will absolutely do that. And it's also a buffer, you know, couple creatine with uh, beta alanine, you've got a really high potent buffering system for athletic performance. So, but if it's, let's say your bog standard, no disrespect at all, but let's say it's just someone who wants to get lean and you're saying, right, day one, here, have some creatine. No, the answer, well, the basic strategy is building blocks, get them to eat correctly. Mm. Then later, as you rightly pointed out, if they need to add a little bump, then you can start saying, okay, maybe have some amino acids around your workout. Then later, okay, we'll add some creatine. to what I mean? Yeah. If you just go, have all that, then what's working? Is it the steak working or is it, it's, mm. so I think, Yes, creatine, and from an athletic point of view, I thoroughly recommend creatine, um, but you have to know why you're giving it to people. Mm. Um, uh, so it's a proven over and over and over, it's a very, very useful supplement. And then you've got the marketing tool of creatine being hydrolyzed and all sorts of shit. You no, know, just creatine
0: monohydrate, cheap and cheerful, from a good quality source, that'll do the trick. Mm. And with creatine, there's, they have a loading phase. They have a, maintain, a maintenance phase as well. Loading phase, God, I haven't thought about this for a long time, but loading phase on like 20 grams of creatine a day. And then you do that for the first week or two weeks, and then you go down to a maintenance phase of 10 grams per day. You're taking it in five gram in, in intervals. Is, is that right? I, well, that's, that is a way to do it. So you're trying to get the creatine into the muscle. But don't forget, if you're eating a lot of what I would
1: recommend anyway, high-quality high animal produce, meat. You know, creatine is is in that. So, but so I prefer not to do any loading at all with people. I simply get them to do it around the workout, nothing else. So five grams before, and or five grams after, or three to five grams. See what I mean, so it's around the workout where where the nutrients are being absorbed. the body's saying right? Give me some nutrients. I've stimulated the body. Feed me, as opposed to some arbitrary loading phase, which I'm not really hugely au fait with, shall we say.
0: And, and, and so that would be how I would do it personally. And the, and the reason to have creatine, the reason for an individual to consider taking creatine, as you mentioned earlier, it, it fits in with one of our energy systems, the phosphocreatine energy system. That's where we have explosive power. Um, if we have a little bit more of the creatine to be able to buffer and resynthesize to give us that extra bit of energy, which can deplete within seconds, it's just given us those few extra reps isn't it? Of a, of a, of a weight train like let's say bench press, it might give you a few extra reps before you hit failure. Therefore, the creatine itself doesn't effectively make you stronger, but because you can get those few extra reps and repetitions, you get the extra bit of overload, which then needs to extra growth and repair. So that's, that's the key thing for it, isn't it really? Just to have, have it just to benefit that type of training.
1: Yeah, I don't know enough about that, Ash, but I would say that two things. Yes, it will certainly improve your training outcomes, as you say. you Get an extra rep, or get higher, or get more explosive for sure. Um, and also, it's a buffering system as well. Um, as well as, it's one of those nutrients that, that, from an overall energising, from you as a human point of view, it is extremely useful. Hence, you know, I might give it to my dad, you know,
0: if, if he would believe me instead of just drinking whiskey all the time. But <laughs> that's not a bad thing. And as well, you hear a lot with creatine as well when people have it for the first time. And I, I've, I've, I've known people to do it just purely for this thing. It holds more fluid around the cells. So it, it gives you that fuller look and appearance. Is that true? I, I mean, I've never gone on the fact that I take creatine so I look fuller, but I've known people that do. I've heard that. I've heard that. And it seems to be the case, but I've never experienced that myself. I so can't really talk. No. But yeah,
1: people say that it. certainly does draw water into muscle. I'm aware of that. Mm. So you might just have to drink a little bit more water. But I don't really know much more about that, if I'm honest.
0: Yeah, cool. Okay, mate. We're just there's a few more little supplements I want to talk about. Um, we we just mentioned how creatine can benefit the whole performance side, the explosive energy systems. Um, drinks with electrolytes. Um, obviously, a lot of them you get the branded drinks. Um, the thing that frustrates me about these high sugared electrolyte drinks as well is when they're sold to people who are just looking to lose weight and they're going into a gym, they walk into the gym, they, they scan their membership card and before they've even gotten to the gym floor to start doing the exercise to want them losing a bit of weight, they're buying a Lucas or something like that or Red Bull or whatever. They're buying something and then put more sugars in their system before they go and try and get rid of some of these calories, you know? So The gym trade itself does sometimes not help some individuals because they think I should go into the gym. I should buy that bottle of Aid, and then I should start my training because I need that Aid first. And obviously it's sweet. It's sugars. So people can be addicted to the sugar thing. So um, water is the best thing for those individuals. Adding electrolytes to a drink, to your water, though. Uh, can be beneficial, but again, it's if your training warrants that. So, let's say an endurance athlete or doing very hard, longer duration sessions, you could probably do some electrolytes. And that's talking about where you're having these drinks, where you're you're putting your sodium, your magnesium, your potassium, your calcium, and stuff like that into your drink. Um, that can be definitely beneficial. Is that something that you've done or have? Yeah. Uh, kind of like. I,
1: I I 100% agree, Ash. To be fair, um, if you, I'll just wait for the train to go past.
0: on the podcast i can't see uh, james was just waving to the train <laughs> so yeah electrolytes we have to remember what it does so in order for the energy to jump across the nervous system of muscle has to go through
1: you know the fluid and that fluid it has to have the right salt balance the electrolyte balance in order for the signal to go across you know about this you teach it and of course if that if we haven't got those electrolytes correct then this this impulse doesn't go across the muscle therefore you get fatigued you don't operate as well you get discoordinated and all that business you can see that with marathon runners at the end where they're wobbling all over the road yeah very often it's it's uh, electrolyte imbalance so i'm a fan of electrolytes but as you say i don't i i didn't well i was in the military for 22 years i never had any electrolytes and you know, we were going at a fairly high level out in the far in the in the far east and middle east so my point is you know it can be useful but not super necessary but if you notice around my workout stuff i was adding some salt for the workout in the shake, if you're gonna and maybe some salt afterwards. And let's say you're a rugby player at half time in the summer, I really recommend a little bit of salt in maybe the amino acids as a and maybe some glucose um, to give you a boost. So yeah, electrolyte balance is extremely important. Um, sodium, potassium, that whole kind of equilibrium thing from the cells, fluid in, fluid out. Yeah. And if that's out of whack, then you can have an issue. And I think probably the way to do it is add a bit of salt around your workout and then add some magnesium after your workout, which I forgot to mention. Magnesium after your workout and in the evening, which will help you calm down and relax your nervous system. So there would be my go-to salt and magnesium um, or, or some form of electrolytes, like you, like you just pointed out. It's not it's wrong with that.
0: And I guess like with, with electrolytes and stuff like that, it's if you feel like it's, it's necessary. Obviously, the main, main protocol is to stay hydrated no matter what your goal is, no matter what training you're doing, keep hydrated. It's amazing the amount of people that don't even drink enough water. And again, that's yeah. something that's addressed with an individual's daily intake. Before you start looking at supplements, you know, are they drinking enough water? And a lot of people don't. They live off tea, coffee, in the evening, alcohol. And then, you know, they hardly ha- have a glass of water in the daytime. So that's one thing for any pass trainer or any coach or any individual to look at and consider first but again yeah. if, if you are just using water for your endurance events and you are feeling cramping and you, and you feel like you want to try something just try the electrolytes as well and it, it you know it's down to the individual if they feel it benefits that person or it benefits yourself then, then use it isn't it
1: yeah so two things actually um one is when we're kind of I, I know we're not going to talk about kind of the carnivorous style diet but you know i'm a fan of it Mm-hmm. Um, but if you have that, you want to add more salt to your, your food anyway, that, and therefore you, you don't have to drink the electrolytes. You can eat it simply because it comes in food, of course, and added salt. So that's one thing. And the other thing that popped into my head as you talk about that, I used to do <clears throat> consultations for the Marines. We were doing Arctic, Arctic stuff. And um, recently, before my, or after my turn, they started adding electrolytes into their, into their ration packs and I thought, oh, what a great idea that was. In my day, we never had them. But, you know, even the military, who were very slow in, up the uptake very often, are realizing the importance of electrolytes. By the those boys are really training at a high level, um, more endurance yeah, think So for, to cap that, yeah, electrolytes are useful, mate.
0: Yeah, and I think for anyone who does train at a high level, you, you understand when you kind of like messed up on your nutrition. You know, when you've done that hard session where you are dehydrated, you haven't taken enough food, uh, you, you feel it, you know? it's not a pleasant feeling when you can feel your body shutting down on itself a little bit you know? yeah. um, it's just being wise again with your nutrition just one more thing to uh, pick up on there about adding salt, uh, adding salt to your food again that's, that's one of these things that's deemed to be a, a negative thing, people shouldn't be adding salt to their foods, sodium is an important part, uh, plays a massively important part in our bodies doesn't it if you look back at um, on times when I killed the animal and I was eating
1: the meat there's blood around the meat, and that's added salt in there. So I'm getting it. So, if when you when you're kind of eating high 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 meat diet, you should be adding salt. There's nothing wrong with that. Just replicating nature, kind of, yeah, unless yeah. you want to smear blood all over. And once again, that's not a bad thing. But um, <laughs> so you can
0: see everything. Everything should really fall back to what we are as kind of as as, uh, as animals. Yeah, and it, it's something that we weren't talk about today, obviously. But like, it, it just shows it's another highlight again about how nutrition can be so like. Considered to be wrong by adding something like salt to a food that can be considered to be wrong when it's actually not a negative thing. Obviously, if you're adding salt to already very very high salty food, Different that's thing. where there's, you draw the line. But if if you're just cooking good produce food and you're adding a bit of salt to it, don't be afraid of that. You know, you add salt yeah. for a bit of flavour, anyways. You know, so okay, so that's all good. Um, a few things to finish off from then. Um, another couple of supplements that I I do use, and I think anyone even starting out could start consider using. First off, a multivitamin. Um, again, even if you're getting your nutrition correct and you're getting locally bought produce, so you know that the production of that, that food has been good and it's retained mit- uh, vitamins and minerals. Um, but, you know, a lot of individuals, especially if they don't lead a good diet, they're lacking multivitamins. Um, even if someone's got a clean diet and they're eating well, do you promote to have a multivitamin? um ash that's a good one so i've changed my thoughts ever slightly but
1: i used to be real big on it and i'd even get people to take up to three multis a day with the thought process that well, it's a kind of a shotgun approach you know we're not sure if it works but certainly probably doesn't not it probably won't do any harm and you know get some of these minerals and vitamins in you um and my rationale was because it will help also the liver function because a lot of people become quite toxic Mm -hmm. and um for, for the lifestyle and nutrition reasons, so therefore it gives them some form of multi will help the liver to do its job. So that was one of the main reasons. And you know, I still, although people think about synthetic, it's a pill form it might not work. It might not, but it also might. Yeah. So perhaps it's not a bad thing, but the alternative would be go back to nature, and I hate kind of something unsexy. But if you eat liver, you know, maybe twice a week or more, in my view. Um, or the organ meat, but certainly liver. Liver is known as nature's multivit, do you know what I mean? Because it contains everything that you need to operate. Certainly, if you eat liver, it helps your liver. And if you can help your liver, that's the whole point of multi-bits really. Um, so, liver would be my go to. And also, if I'm feeling ill or people are getting sick all the time, I think some form of capsule style antioxidant aid might not be a bad thing. Um, branching off on that i don't want to talk well we could actually talk maybe not further down the line about antioxidants but the body makes its own internal antioxidants from glutamine glycine and uh, cysteine Uh It makes its own master antioxidant called called glutathione Mm. so in theory you don't need any other antioxidants because the body makes its own glutathione which it makes from amino acids again see theme going on um i'm branching off i know but to answer your question at the basic level a multivitamin from a good quality capsule form probably not a bad idea some people poo-poo the idea because the whole fantastic thing and some people say it's a great idea um certainly people with bigger brains than me rate it mm. um but if you're unsure go back and eat eat some liver and that really is far more bioavailable to you yeah so.
0: and again if you if you're eating whole natural foods as well um you, you're going to be getting your vitamins and your minerals as well again mother nature has providing us with everything we need you are mentioning like the liver and organs and stuff like as well like really dense in what we need also so maybe a lot of people who maybe don't need that and again we've discussed this before some people might go liver oh it's disgusting it's just educating yourself on why it's important and how it can benefit us and if you really want to put yourself in that state of optimal health then give it a go learn how to cook with liver and make it taste okay you know Um, but again, you know, mother nature does provide us with what we need. Multivitamins is just a way to supplement that effectively. There's a lot of individuals that are nowhere near eating the type of foods they should be eating, you know, relying on processed foods, ready meals, et cetera, et cetera. Um, you know, for them, it's a slow habit forming journey to get from eating really bad to eating. Okay. Um, multivitamins for those sort of clients or individuals might, might prove well early doors as well, even before they've got their nutrition sound.
1: Yeah. You've, you've mentioned, you've actually summed up really well, mate. Sometimes as a kickstart, perhaps chucking some of these bits and pieces at people initially is not a bad idea.
0: Yeah. Um, another thing um, that comes up a lot is um, fish oils. Um, in the UK, there's a lot of individuals um, who don't eat fish. Uh, and it comes down to personal preference a lot, a lot of the time. You know, a lot, I've worked with a lot of clients who say, right, try to have fish a bit more in the week. And the first thing I hear from them is, oh, I don't like fish. And straight away, there's a barrier there. I'm not going to eat it. I don't like it. Um, you look on someone like the Mediterranean where you know, they're catching their fish uh, and they're eating their fish and it's part of their way of life. Their diet is better because of that. You know, Fish is, has a massively important role to play, essential fatty acids, etc. Fish oils is a really good supplement that people can consider, especially if they don't eat much fish especially if they don't eat no fish but fish oils can be really beneficial to someone yeah ash um i think if let's say you need anything else but fish
1: nothing else i think you're probably be doing all right yeah um so apart what you've just said there apart from the fact there's the essential amino acids and the essential fatty acids and all that kind of what we know about stuff the good fact that it's good quality meat source. um it's the the fish oil why people like fish oil is it's EPA and DHA content. So EPA um, is highly anti-inflammatory and DHA is extremely good for brain function. Hence I give it to my kids. Um, So EPA and DHA are the essential amino acids that are useful from the fish. And what does it do? Well, firstly, at layman's terms, it turns on the fat burning genes and turns off the fat storing genes. That's one little bullet point. The second thing it's highly anti-inflammatory and we know from previous podcasts that inflammation is kind of the mother source of most modern diseases today um and also it helps cell permeability and communication what i mean by that is the cell membrane if it's made of good color, good quality oils from fish or nutrients from fish then they're far more permeable and the nutrients you get in and get out and they're not sticky or stiff and they're pliable which is how they should be um
2: and It, I think that's about it. I've just written down,
1: yeah. The brain function, yeah, that's basically this. There's more to it from a muscle synthesis point of view as well. But from health, anti inflammatory brain function, um, and fat loss and cell and and cell cell health, cell communication. So, yeah, massively important. And if people want to get leaner, one of the things I would ask them to put on is take at least six grams that's only maintenance dose a fish oil a day which high concentrate EPA DHA. Bear in mind my kids who are seven and ten when they're with me I give them a tablespoon every day a tablespoon is like 10 to 15 grams so you know when I'm asking you to take six it's nothing from an yeah. adult point of view.
0: Yeah and again fish oils is one some people have been a little bit um unsure about taking fish oils I mean I, I've advised people to do so in the past generally because they don't eat the next to no fish or they're these people that don't like fish for example um and it's just got so many good benefits and if you look at the bottle that they come in a lot of the time if you go down to your local supplement store stuff like that and you buy your official capsules and it will recommend taking one to three per day uh, i don't know what the dosage in terms of milligram is per that but i know when we looked at it we've we've pretty much trebled that we almost have like two capsules with breakfast two with lunch two with dinner Um, And that's always kind of put them about right. But again, it's the health benefits of having these fish oils. Um, Again, if you look at it, it's all about circulatory health. It's about getting rid of the the, the fatty buildups around the circulatory system that can build up your low density lipoproteins. Um, So again, from a health side, it's, it's important to have it. It's two things actually that you need to be aware of. Um, if you don't mind me putting in there, while well, I think about it, is it can go rancid
1: very very quickly. So if people keep it in the sh- in you know on the shelf or whatever after the, in the liquid bottle, it goes rancid real quickly. So you have got to be very wary of that. So if you're worried about that, maybe take the capsules. Mm-hmm. Um, there's something else that popped into my head as you're talking there. Um,
0: I'll come back to it. I can't remember. I think on that as well. Like um, quite often, uh, I've probably been experienced this myself it's very easy to buy supplements uh, and it fits in with your lifestyle and your training at the time. And then very easily, you can forget to take your supplements. What became a habit of taking your multivitamin in the morning and then your officials with breakfast officials for lunch officials for dinner can be going so well for you for week upon week. And all of a sudden you have a week where you forget to take them or you forget to rebu- uh, replace them. And then when you do, you've lost that habit of having a supplement again. And habit is key, isn't it? To a healthy lifestyle, to training well, to eating well, it's about forming these habits. And all too often, I'm sure there's so many tubs of protein and pots of fish oils and whatever sat on people's shelves right now, which are untouched. Um, and it is a case of, isn't it? If it fits in, if, you, if it's needed, use it. And it does take a bit of a habit of forming sometimes.
1: So going back to the food part of that, actually, if people could, you know, um, where you get really high dose of omega-3 from the natural sources, fish eggs, yeah, okay. so fish roe. You know, if you don't want to go down the supplement form because it goes rancid, and you know, that is a fair point. Mm. Fish roe, um, get some that's it's, it's quite expensive, mine, but you have a tablespoon for that, maybe at breakfast or lunch or dinner or whatever, just as a kind of a starter ish, or yeah. add it to your food when you've cooked it. It's a nice salty taste. Some fish roe, you're covered. Yeah, and you also that- get Omega 3 from, from, from um, sorry, actually, you also get Omega 3 from animal sources, you know, meat sources as well. Yeah. You don't We really want to be getting your Omega 3. Plant sources because that's um ALA, which is not available to the body, it's not bioavailable. So, when you talk about kind of ALA from flaxseed, it
0: is not the same thing, it's very important to remember that. Yeah, good, okay. Um, and just to finish that bit as well, um, in terms of a nutritional side, getting fresh fish is great. You know, go down to your fishmongers if you live on a coast, it's easy. If if you live in cities, you can still get it. You just got to like look a bit harder, or just be a bit more proactive to get it. Um, tin fish like sardines mackerel uh tuna effectively all good for you i know tuna comes to that thing where it's very high in mercury and it because it's of ease and it's very accessible it's not that expensive to buy like you know four tins of tuna for less than a fiver probably um but people who are looking to get fish in their diets and to get their protein content up can have quite a lot of tin tuna throughout the week can't they but you do have Uh, the effect of mercury is that right
1: that's Yes and no, I So in theory, it's really good because high protein, blah blah. blah, But it's not really that oily, as which is the oils yeah. that you want. So if you're going to get down the tinned fish line, and I don't think there's anything particularly wrong with it, um, it would be the small fish, sardines, herring, um, mackerel. They would be the ones. And actually, in my cupboard, I've got loads and loads of tins of those things, oily fish. Um, so let's say I can't be bothered cooking I'm just and we then I'll have a, I'll grab. What I'd normally do is grab a tin of uh, herring or sardines and a couple of pickled eggs and a slice of cheese. And there's a good old meal right there. And it takes me 30 seconds to make, you know? So I think that's a really good thing. High omega three content that's bioavailable to you from smaller fish.
0: Perfect. Mate. Good. Okay. So I think we touched base there on, there's one more thing I'm going to touch on in a second, but again, getting the, the essentials of workout supplementation is there, isn't it? A good form of unflavored protein. Um, good source of creatine if it's needed, creatine monohydrate, yeah. um, fish oils, definitely, uh, kind of like advice for most people to take, because, you know, a lot of people can probably put their hands up and say, I definitely don't eat enough fish. Even if they like fish, they don't eat enough of it. You know, it's, it's one of those, uh, food types that people don't always seem to buy enough of or buy it regularly enough to have it. Um, I've tried to form the habit having like two or three times a week and we do okay with that, you know? So I know I'm, I'm definitely having more fish now than what I've ever done just by learning about the benefits of it. And I was one of these people about 10 years ago, didn't like fish that much. You know, I I liked tin tuna and that was about it. So again, because I know the benefits, I've slowly taught myself to like it. Uh, A good multivitamin as well, you can't go far and miss with them. Even if you're eating good food, hopefully you are on a daily basis, a good multivitamin's always good. And Branched chain amino acids, potentially if you need to get yourself to that next level, uh, if you're training at that elite standard. Um, one last thing I want to speak about is pre-workouts. Uh, again, it's another big thing in the supplement industry, uh, by this pre-workout, some sometimes it's linked to weight loss supplements as well, but a pre-workout being something like a big hit of caffeine, uh, beta alanine as well, which is an amino acid, which can give you a tingly sort of sensation, but it's all to do with buffering the lactic acid system, I think, isn't it? Um, yeah. But a pre-workout, I mean, personally, I'm a I'm a big coffee lover, so I'm quite happy with a nice cup of coffee before I do any workout, and that suits me fine. Uh, it kind of focuses my mind enough, and I'm fine. But pre-workout, something that you do?
1: No, um,
0: and I'm not a fan of it. Having said that, I did
1: mention that my, you know, that I do talk about pre-workout, but it's the homemade stuff, branched amino acids, maybe some creatine, so it's not a mix that someone's made. It's pure stuff that you make up yourself, it takes two seconds. Mm-hmm. Um so pre during and post workout stuff is good. And maybe some there's some value in some in some certain products for sure. There there, there is of course, but some, the problem is for layman, it's coupled up with all sorts of horrible shite. Mm-hmm. So there is your 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 issue. Um so in theory a pre workout can be useful, but you know, once again, it goes back to this whole thing of of why are you taking it. What are you trying to achieve? Uh, um, and will it help you at all? Um, let's say you're a competition bodybuilder. and I know I keep talking about bodybuilding, but it's not the only part of, health, of nutrition and health. It's important to remember that. And you want to get leaner just before a show. You might consider from a fat burning point of view, uh, a, a combination of um, tyrosine and your himbean HCL. And I got that tip from a guy called Lyle MacDonald in his Ultimate Fat Loss book, which is fantastic, about 15 years ago, or maybe 10 years ago. Um, And that kicks in your adrenaline, noradrenaline, catecholamines. For a period, that will burn fat, but it's only for a period because you get used to it. So probably about two or three weeks out, take that stuff so you get shredded up. Drug-free, I'm talking about now. But then if you're taking it all the time, it's absolutely a waste of time. See what I mean? So it very much depends on what you're trying to achieve. So to answer your question, pre, during, post-workout, I'm a big fan of as so long as you make it yourself or it's from a, a reliable formula. There's only a couple of ingredients in there. But if it's got some muscle beast with all sorts of shitty ingredients in it, then I think it's a terrible thing. Yeah. Uh, and, and also it, the, the way you stimulate athletic performance is neurally from nitric oxide um, neural drive alpha gpc would work then you've got the lactic acid buffering system citrulline and then you've got um the, the um vasodilators you know arginine that type of thing um and i'm on we're probably getting a little bit too complicated here but there's three different systems you can operate to improve yourself from a power point of view neural drive would be the would be the one from
0: a bodybuilding point of view it'd be vasodilation and buffering See what I mean? So you've got to be careful what you're doing. Well, do you know what? I, I think it's important to, to state this because if you look at, we're not bashing any supplement companies, obviously some are really good. Some are not so good. Um, the, the key thing for any individual uh, and for any coach as well, is just be a bit wise with it. You Know know why that individual is using that supplement in the first place. Make sure that they're, they're getting the, the best product of that supplement in terms of what they're paying for. I know cheaper, it sometimes seems to be the more appealing, but sometimes... When you go for the cheaper route, it's not as good for you as it should be. So you, you it's worth off spending that extra bit of money. It's the same with food at the end of the day, isn't it? You know, you get what you pay for. Um, but again, you don't have to fall foul and and start, you know, looking on one of these supplement companies and before you know it in in your shopping cart, you've got some protein brownies and you've got some pre-workouts and you've got some fat burners and you've got this and you've got that and it it all stacks up and it's how a lot of these companies obviously make their money. But, um, it's just being wise and and our underlying message for this, and this is what we discussed as well before we even talked about this, you know, both of our, our ethos for this whole situation, sort out your nutrition first, sort out your training sort out your mindset as well obviously we've, we've referenced so many times about you know trying to go through life as stress-free as possible as well um but it's just getting the health side of it sorted and then use these supplements purely to supplement your daily intake um any any lasting thoughts before we get to make Did two things ash did you i guess we'll talk about more of your health every day supplements later or, or, or yeah, now? I think I reckon what we'll do, this can be our workout, uh, supplement, uh, podcast. And I think we're we'll definitely doing okay. it on health. Um, because again, it might not be as long, but there's some, again, this is what people have to realize yet. Yeah, what we've spoken about can benefit your training and your health as well to a degree, but there's a lot of supplements out there as well, which we'll discuss with you, uh, which is all about how you can benefit your health. Uh, and we can relate that to ailments to that some individuals may have. Yeah.
1: Yeah. They will overlap, of course. Um, yeah, the, the you're, you're absolutely right. So that the thing to recall is, if you let's say you want to kick up growth hormone, and that if you train when you're hungry, growth hormone will kick in. Mm. So that's a fat. What i written: fat burners. I wrote down here: fish oil, beam, tyrosine, amino acids, alpha GPC or GPC, and training fasted. <laughs> Although it's not a supplement it will. So anyway, we could talk about another day, Ash, but apart from that, I think
0: we've covered quite a lot of stuff there, haven't we? Yeah. Uh, that's, that's probably enough for me. But the good thing is, and, and this is what we're always trying to do with these podcasts is give, give some people some actions that they can take, you know, so if, if anyone is confused by supplements, um, or, you know, not sure which ones to go for, just do a bit of research, be a bit wise with it. Um, and, and just work out if you actually need that supplement or are you just paying for it for the sake of, because you feel like you have to have it. Um, but again, it comes down to again, get your food right, get your training right, and make sure you aren't these supplements in the first place. They um, could do a consultation with me if they want, mate. That'd be a good that call. One, there you well, are well, plugging myself. That's it, mate. Well, I always put a link to your website at the end of this as well. So uh, uh, and this is the key, you know. If anyone is keen on on do, talking about their nutrition and their supplementation choices, you know, do go into James's website, uh, get in contact with him through there, uh, and have a chat. And you know, that's you know you can save yourself a lot of money and time by chatting with James. You know, he can put you in the right direction. Um, James, as always, mate, thanks very much. Been a pleasure. And you, mate, you take care. And See now, you again. And yeah, we'll definitely do another one about the health side as well. All right, buddy. Yeah, thanks very much. That. Cheers, mate. Yeah. We hope you enjoyed today's podcast. You can find out more content from what we do by going to www.performancetrainingacademy.com or head over to James's website at www.precisionperformance.co.uk where you can even book yourself a nutritional consultation. We'll be back very soon with part two, Supplements for Health. So do stay tuned. Thanks for listening.